Welcome in to another episode of the Half Court Press Podcast. I'm John Niatawa, Chris Hetty joining me. It's been a while, Chris. I think it's been a couple months. A lot has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Creighton's added some players. I think Nebraska's added some players. Nebraska basically has its roster set, which is like, what? Mm-hmm. That happened? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's been some news to report and some, some college basketball-related things to touch and touch on, comment on. So we'll try to do it as best we can and recap it as best we can. Like, I think we had – I had I had some vacation. We both had furloughs. So it was really tough to kind of schedule a podcast, but we're kind of back in the groove now. And, I mean, coincidence has it, Chris, that just it just so happens that, like, the day after – the day that we said, hey, let's record a podcast, um, and we I think we you sent me a text yesterday, was the day that Nebraska and Creighton set their date for the annual rivalry. And I just felt like that was pretty fitting because Half Court Press podcast was formed with the idea that Nebraska and Creighton will play, and that will be uh, the most important thing. Uh, that this show discusses. <laughs> it was like there was a beacon that sent out that was yeah. like, there's a Nebraska and Creighton related topic. Both of you go to your computers <laughs> off of furlough and discuss. Talk, talk, yeah. please. So um, yeah, Nebraska and Creighton are going to play on December 12th. It's a Saturday. So yay. Always enjoy uh, basketball on a Saturday, especially when it's uh, going to be the central topic uh, in the state. And, I mean, we'll see what the football calendar ha- has for us, but, like, mm-hmm. it's a week later than it has been in past years. Usually it's that first weekend, so this is the second weekend, so um, maybe – I wonder if bit. that bodes well for um, timing in terms of, like – because I think your first priority would be a conference title of some sort, right, on, like, Big Fox. In terms um, of, like, the state's attention – yeah, well, one, about. the state's attention, but two, like TV, like, and also just like national, oh, true, like college basketball interest. Yeah, like, I wonder if this could be like a 230 on regular Fox national audience, 230, yeah, I, 330 tip from Lincoln, which would be huge exposure for Nebraska, right? Um, I, I feel like this game has been undercovered nationally for ages, um, considering how much passion that i feel is there between the two fan bases and then when you go to the app like you're sitting there in the app like those two last year's game in omaha uh the game two years ago in lincoln those are two of the best atmospheres that i attended in in those two seasons and i mean like yeah what so what was what 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 do we think um i don't remember but that game in lincoln when nebraska won was that, was that on FS1? Oh, good question. FS1 or BTN? I don't think it was an ESPN, which which it should have been. Um, no. That I was didn't. probably among the top five atmospheres I've ever been in. Um, part of that was because it was at Creighton's expense and that, that arena wanted blood. Um, yeah. and, was, and was just like, it was a whole FBI thing. It's crazy. Um, so, again, so December 12th, it's Saturday. It's the perfect position for that game to be. Just, as, long, as long as it's not like a, a noon or 11 a.m. start. Or if it's an like 11 a.m. start, then we riot, I think. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not okay. That's 11 a.m. sporting events are never okay for any, for any reason, for right. any sport. It's not okay. We do, need, it, we, do it on the other side of lunch. Yeah. We, we need the Husker fans and then the you know peppering of, of Blue Jay faithful to go down to Lincoln, hang out in the Haymarket, 
um, on O Street, wherever you want to go for just a few hours. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be anything crazy. Just kind of get ready, get yourself excited, and then deliver another amazing atmosphere. I know, I know. Um, well, let's start here. I mean, let's before we kind of go through Nebraska's um, non-conference schedule, and we'll and you know today we'll go through kind of where Nebraska is out of as a program and what they're doing and where Creighton is, um, and kind of go into the nitty gritty of that, but just off the top, you know, first let's start here in terms of like, you know, Creighton is not going to be in school on December 19th. And I guess not, not a lot of, or on December 12th, like they will be at home. Um, if I remember correctly, the students. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nebraska, I believe is also doing remote finals. Um, I know a lot of, a lot of, um, schools are, and so it was interesting that the non-conference schedule did come out in the first place because it's a little presumptive, right? Um, there's this talk of a second wave of coronavirus, and obviously you, you hope it doesn't happen, but there's so many schools that are anticipating it. And one of the weird subplots I thought of, of this game as well was, okay, December 12th, their students aren't going to be there. I wonder what attendance is going to be like. Now, there's enough people in Lincoln and Omaha that, are, that, that will fill. Um, but I'm curious if you think... Um, I think there's been so much talk about football coming back and attendance at football games and all these things. I'm curious what you think about releasing a non-conference schedule when the only thing that we really know is that they're going to, you know, Nebraska and Creighton and all these teams are going to be able to lift weights in July. And that's about as far as they've been given a green light. You know what I mean? Man, it's a good point because we just spent so much time talking about the atmosphere and how much we love <laughs> Uh, the passionate fan bases that make this rivalry really fun. Um, there may not be any fans in the building if they play. Um, Which would be just bizarre, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Oh my gosh, it'd be bizarre. So where does college basketball sit right now? It's a good question. I, I think that you sort of have to operate under the assumption that it all is going to happen until with with an acknowledgement that conversations do need to take place eventually of like, all right, let's start rolling through what if scenarios. Mm-hmm. What if there, like you said, there's a second wave in December. Um, what if football gets pushed back? You know, what if uh, the NSA tournament has to be pushed back? Um, what if multiple teams have players that contract the disease and are pulled from action? How does that impact scheduling and, and uh, conference title races and that kind of stuff? Like, I think all those discussions have to take place at some point. Seems like most of the focus is on the football season, which makes sense because, well, one, revenue, money, mm-hmm. but also it's first. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to take care of that first and then move on to basketball. Um, those discussions are going to have to take place at some point. Um, but you also, I think, right now have to, like, I guess the other what if scenario is what if it all happens as planned? And what if schedules, um, as they sit right now, that you can that, that you can find a way to safely travel from site to site and play basketball um, the way that we have seen the sport played the last few years, fans or not, you know. So um, I'm not surprised that that teams. I think I would imagine that you'll see more, you know, if you read those contract agreements that teams have um, for uh, whether it's a buy game or even a home home series. Like I bet they have either tweaked it or tried to tweak it to where there's sort of like that act of God clause. Maybe some of them already have. Actually, I think when I was reading through 
back in the day was on the Husker football beat. I was reading through uh, all their conference or all their non-conference scheduling agreements. And they always had an active God clause. Yeah. Which is, which I will say the first time I read one of those, it was during the whole like Akron debacle when the thunderstorm right, yeah. happened. And I remember seeing active God and being like, this is ridiculous. And then it's, and then something like a pandemic happens and you're like, Oh, lawyers are smart. Huh? Yeah, like, so right. I guess that there's a reason why they do it. So there's that, or, or or maybe some clause that says like if this game can't be played because of the p- pandemic, then you're you're not going to get your your buy game money or whatever, um, or maybe that they'll try to reschedule or something. It's gonna it might be it might become. I mean, I cover college baseball, and their coaches are kind of especially in the north, the northern part of the country, are pretty notorious for like just on the fly trying to reschedule games because you get cancellations in March, whether it's rain or snow mm-hmm. or just cold weather. And you're like, well, can, can you play on a Wednesday in May? Or what about your Tuesday, April 13th? How are you feeling? Like, can you make mm-hmm. that work between your uh, weekend conference seasons or schedules um, series? So maybe college basketball takes on a form like that. I don't know, but um, my, my thought is, is like right now, I think you do have to just um, try as best you can to operate under the thought that like, oh, we're going to play. Yeah. And, and it's also, it's interesting because the thing that John Cook, the volleyball coach said a couple of weeks ago that I keep thinking about was he, he feels that volleyball is going to be essentially most all conference games, save for some non-conference games of some programs that are closer, including including Creighton and UNO and things like that. Mm. And the reason why he said that that would happen is all these different conferences could potentially have different um, expectations and regulations for travel and for, um, you know, hotels or just, you know, sanitation, like just, just different regulations or different rules. And, um, you know, the country is affected by the coronavirus in different ways. You know, Nebraska currently is in a really good position. There are more than 20 states which have rising cases. It's just, it's there. It's hard to figure out. And so, you know, you look at a conference, a non-conference schedule and you've got, you know, a team from Ohio and in Indiana and Nebraska is supposed to fly to South Carolina and then Lamar is from Texas. And then you've got the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Well, that has teams you know, kind of on the East Coast. Um, you've got, um, you know, Florida A&M from Florida. Like, you just, there's so many variables. And I think something that you said before the, um, we started recording, which, is in, which, which was interesting too, was what if some of these games start to get canceled? Then this isn't, this isn't important in the grand scheme of things. But like, then it's like, well, what about your NCAA tournament resume? What about um, the, 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 the money that are the money that's guaranteed in those contracts for um, playing in those arenas. Um, it's just, it's super interesting open-ended question that there really isn't an answer to, but I like your idea of pretending that it's going to happen and fans are going to be there. Cause that makes me happy. A lot to be happy about. Right yeah, now. I know. I know. So we're not going to bump people out. I will really quick. just kind of go through um, the non-conference there, there's a couple of small takeaways, I think for Nebraska. Um, first off, they start the season out with against Cleveland state on November 10th. Um, Cleveland state is currently head coached by Dennis Gates, who is assistant coach Armand's brother. Um, so that's kind of a nice connection there. 
I'm sure that wasn't an accident. Um, there are some pretty intriguing things about the non-conference, particularly the fact that you know, Nebraska will go to the Myrtle Beach Invitational, and there they have the potential to play some pretty good teams. I mean, I think the main thing about the non-conference is if you can leave your non-conference slate 10 or 11 games and feel like you have a pretty good grasp of who you are and what you can do and who you can trust, um, then you did your job. In some ways, last year's non-conference told us everything we needed to know. We actually knew most of what we needed to know about Nebraska in the first two games. Um, once the conference tournament started to come, or excuse me, conference games started to come around in December and you saw who was transferring away, who was pouting on the bench, who um, couldn't be relied on, had to be benched, who was making the shots in the end, who wasn't. I mean, you, you knew what you needed to know about Nebraska um, by the new year for the most part. Now there was that brief stretch where we thought, well, wait a second, are they actually decent? And then the answer was, oh, wait, no, no, they're, they're not good at all. Um, so I think the thing that this non-conference schedule does is it does that again, but kind of up a level, right? So you're not playing UC Riverside who entering that game was the worst team, worst non-conference team Nebraska played in a while. Um, you're playing Lamar, you're playing UMKC, Florida A&M. Some of these teams that are a little bit closer to 500 last year. Um, you go to Myrtle beach and you can play Pittsburgh. You can play Utah state. Um, you could play Dayton. Um, you could play Missouri. Um, pretty good programs that um, are generally, I mean, Dayton was headed for a one seed last year. Um, now they are going to be a little bit different, but still, I mean, you're, you're playing a, some well, well-oiled machines um, and that's what you want. You want to, that you want to test yourself early. Now, if you lose that game by 20, does it mean that you're not good at all? No, but you want to know a little something about it. Right. Um, I think that the Creighton game is going to be really interesting. I, I'm not certain how good Creighton's going to be, but I know that they're, going to be more um, put together than Nebraska just in terms of their roster and who they return. Um, but I think that that's going to be a really interesting, kind of a nice mile marker game. Kansas State in Kansas City at, P- or, excuse me, at the Sprint Center, six days before Christmas, another Saturday. Um, Sprint Center could be packed for that because Nebraska fans would travel well. It's not, an easy, it's not a hard drive. Um, there's a lot of Can- you know, Kansas State fans in Kansas City. That could be really fun. I mean, there's a million – uh, storylines attached to that, including, you know, Fred Hoiberg's return to the Sprint Center. You know, he's not coached in a game in the Sprint Center since winning the Big 12 tournament twice. Um, Teddy Allen had an extremely good game against Kansas State the last time he was a Division One player at West Virginia. Um, you know, kind of a return of a Big 8 rival. Like, there's so many cool things about that game in particular. K-State was not great last year, but rarely does Bruce Weber have two bad years in a row. So, I think in general, um, if Nebraska – has itself a team that they can trust. They've got some guys eligible that they want, mostly being Kobe King. Um, they could they could exit that non-conference feeling like they have a handle on who they are, and they don't need to, you know, they don't need to go ten and one. They don't need to, you know, go five hundred. I mean, I don't think that there's necessarily. A, I can't tell you what they're going to win and what they're not going to win, but there's enough bad teams that if you beat them pretty good, you you know some things. There's enough good teams that if you lose, you, you can learn some things as well. That's kind of what I took away from it. It does seem, though, that it, if you're going to be an NCAA tournament team with that schedule, you better be like 9-2. and two. True. Or maybe maybe 8-3. and three. Yeah. But just because there's not a lot of – I mean, I guess if Creighton's the team that we think it could be, then a win over Creighton would nullify a bad loss or a mediocre loss. And then 8-3, you wouldn't feel so bad if you had a win over Creighton. But 
Um, I don't know if that's really what we should be talking about right now because Nebraska finished last in the Big Ten to one. Like, right. Uh, right. A couple, so, a couple league games. So, but yeah, um, I love the K State, man. I love that idea. Isn't that great? Um, I wondered that we were, it's funny, I, my head was just sort of, my mind was kind of wandering a little bit as, as you spoke about because just wandering back to what we had talked about, like if you can't have fans, would they even play in the Sprint Center? Like, why not just move that game to another year so you could enjoy that atmosphere where the place is filling up? Um, yeah, those. I'd be questions. curious about like yeah the three game. They have a three game series with them, so I wonder if it's like set in stone because they also signed it like while. I mean, they were kind of talking about this stuff while this was going on. Yeah, you know. Sorry, go um, ahead. I, I could try. Well, no, I, that's it's just like one of those unanswered questions that you can't really project you can again you can talk about different scenarios of hey if this happens then we'll do this if this and this but like nothing can really be set in stone until you have a better picture of what um what the system what systems are going to be in place and what uh, what's going to be allowed and and how basketball even looks but yeah it looks i love that series and um i think i would imagine that you'll see more crate or uh, more nebraska big 12 matchups in the future at some point yeah i'd be curious who they go i mean they already did kansas they obviously are going to do kansas state um i'd be curious if they did like oklahoma um just based on right now i mean jim molinari is currently an assistant coach at oklahoma he was gonna ask you he was at nebraska is oklahoma the team that like if got ku got kansas state like what's the next team if you could pick that Nebraska would play non If I could pick? Yeah. Big Iowa State. Okay. But they'll literally never do that. They'll never do that. Fred will – if – I mean, Fred – That was Fred a dumb would question. not want to do that. After Iowa all. State, who do you got? Um, I mean, my, my first thought goes to Texas. Um, I think that could be fun. Um, I don't think that – I mean, there's not a, a long, lengthy history between Nebraska and Texas basketball um, that I can remember. It, that just people not liking like Nebraska fans don't like Texas and Texas fans don't like Nebraska. It'd be kind of a fun kind of rivalry ish thing. And, yeah. and the football teams don't play each other anymore. So it'd kind of be a nice a reason for people to remember that they hate Texas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of. I think Kansas and Kansas State were the correct first two to do it because yeah. they have history that go back forever, back to the fifties. I mean, like good history, that going back to. The, I mean, Jerry Bush, and the fifties beat KU and beat the Wilt Chamberlain team, and then the next week beat Bob Boozer and the K State team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's some there's some good history between those two. Um, I would yeah, I would probably pick Texas as the first one that comes to my mind. Just. To remind each other that you don't like the the color burn orange. Is another random thought too. It's like, and it kind of played out a little bit for Nebraska last year, but because the Big Ten season starts in the middle of December, and you have the annual rivalry game with Creighton and the Big Ten ACC Challenge, like it's almost as if conference play begins in December. And you could also even maybe tag on whatever um, exempt tournament you play in the week before that over Thanksgiving. It's like. Like big time, big boy basketball starts right away now, and you you can get set up where there's like a murderer's row of games in uh, in December, where you're kind of still everyone's still kind of figuring things out. And yeah, I mean, obviously 
want to just try to keep your head above water, but like they go, they'll go a Big Ten ACC Challenge game. I would imagine it, it, that's somewhere in November thirtieth, December second range, and then I imagine two Big Ten games back to back. Two are supposed to be in between them, yeah. Right, and then Creighton at home, and then K State. You get a week, and then you have K State. Like that, and then two days later you have UMKC. So you yeah, don't even right, kind of get around. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, there is a possibility, like the worst case scenario, let's do worst case scenario real quick. North Carolina was obviously horrible last year. And so if you try and do the, um, we're going to match bad with bad and good with good from the year prior, what says North Carolina doesn't come to Lincoln. Now that's not going to happen because ESPN and the, the powers that be treasure North Carolina too much that I don't think they would do that to them. Um, even though that would be just incredible. Mm. Um, but let's you know, so th- they could have something like that. And then say they have, so, so say you have like North Carolina at home and then your two conference games, you get Michigan state and Indiana. You have to go to Indiana or something. They have to turn around and go to Kansas city and play Kansas state. I mean, it's tough. That, but, but to my point, like you learn something in that five games, Yeah, you learn who you like and who you don't. And even if you get your butt kicked in those five games, you come out the other side basketball is uniquely positioned for you to learn so much when you lose. Um, and that's why it's a weird dynamic that Nebraska lost so much last year and then nobody came back. So it's like, you can't really learn anything from that. Like the first Iowa state team did to the second Iowa state team. Um, you know, that, that second and third Iowa state team often talked about that first year. So that's not going to be the same anymore. Um, but yeah, that could be, that could be a hell of a run in December. But, again, that's kind of what you want. Speaking of kind of trying to figure it out and learn about yourself and who you are and, and, and kind of build some chemistry, that's kind of what I would imagine Nebraska is trying to do this summer. Not, the whole team's not there. But kind of lay out what, um, you know, we're all under sort of restrictions in, in terms of, of coronavirus. But the Huskers are on campus at, you just wrote this uh, yesterday that, that uh, what, 10 or 13 are on campus right now, sort of getting a little bit of a taste. And the NCAA announced today when we're recording this on the Tuesday that um, um, it kind of laid out a plan to start for teams to start working out with players. So right now it's involuntary workouts uh, – or right now it's voluntary workouts. And then in, in July um, you can maybe start seeing the traditional summer calendar begin where you have eight weeks or eight hours per week. Uh, where coaches can actually work with players eventually before school starts, but uh, but right now Nebraska is kind of ahead of, like ahead of the game. I think I, mean, I don't know if there's a lot of college basketball teams that actually have players on campus, which is probably a good thing for the Huskers. Yeah, for sure. New faces for sure, and and so they've got everybody but three guys are there. The only three that are not there are Thor, Ivan, and Kobe King. Now Thor is in Iceland, Ivan is in France. Um, they are there because they went home after the end of the season and as classes started to go remote um, and they've not been allowed back into the country yet. Um, Kobe King is at home in Wisconsin. Uh, They are awaiting him to be uh, cleared academically. Uh, They feel confident that he's going to be. It's just kind of a paperwork situation is what I understand. Um, So what you're looking at is, um, Nebraska, so the rest of the team is on campus. So you've got in total, they have, um, so it's what, 10 guys that are on campus. 
And seven of those guys, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, okay, so eight of those guys um, are going to be eligible next year. We'll be playing next year. Um, so that sounds like a small number, but it's actually pretty big compared to um, – I mean, it's, that's important. That's an important chunk of guys to have. And they're not going up and down the floor and, and um, you know, scrimmaging and doing all these drills with Fred Hoiberg and Doc Sadler there and all that stuff. That's, that's not happening. Doc is in Florida. Uh, you know, the coaches are working from home. This is kind of a you do what we kind of urge you to do. Uh, so they split them up into groups of three or four. They work out together, that three or four. It's kind of – it's mostly based on who's been able to work out and who hasn't and – um, so even though it's just kind of just workouts and getting shots up with a couple of guys, like it's, it's extremely important. And yes, you would like Thor and Ivan to be there. Um, but having these specific guys who, I mean, most of them haven't even been to Lincoln before or, or visited. I mean, Kobe Webster, had never seen campus. Um, and, uh, I don't think Lat Maiden had, had either. Um, and, so now you get to go see campus and now you get to move into your dorm or your apartment. And now you get to meet your teammates in person. Like just small things like that are super helpful. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that now is a really interesting, important time for them. Um, you know, the football team, they talk about how they're kind of getting a step ahead because they're able to be together right now. And, you know, Oklahoma in particular, I mean, they're not, even coming to campus until July. So even just those small things. I mean, Nebraska men's basketball and football have been very, very bad. Like they were, they were very, very bad last year. So they, they kind of need this, right? They, they need, I mean, seriously, like, I mean, especially men's basketball uh, didn't go to a tournament last year. So you miss out on those practices. Men's fo- uh, football didn't go to, hasn't gone to a bowl game in a while. Like you, if you can steal a month of just camaraderie and getting some shots up and lifting, like you, you take it and that's what they've done. And, um, it's really smart on their part. Um, so we'll see kind of what benefit they get from that. They're a, so they're able to do what they're currently doing through the end of June. And then it was announced today that from July 1st to, 9th, to the 19th, they're able to um, – they said this in some pretty great like NCAA um, dialect where it's like, um, voluntary virtual non-physical activities, enhanced in-person non-physical activities, weight training and conditioning. So basically, you can meet as a team on Zoom, go over film. You Thank you like, for translating that into yeah. like PR jargon. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I, I read that and I was like, this is garbage. What did <laughs> like, they say? In, enhanced what? You ready? Enhanced in-person non-physical activities. <laughs> Like, uh, it's just horrible. Just say, like, team building. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like lunch? Or an escape dinner? room. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, so they can, really funny. they can go over film. Uh, you can do, like, team building stuff. You can lift. You can go run. Um, you can't do that for more than eight hours a week. Again, small things, but important things when you haven't been together or know each other. Um, and then on July 20th, uh, you're able to do actual on-court practices, which is per usual. Um, and then actual practice, preseason practice starts 42 days before the first regular season game, which for Nebraska would be in September. Mm. Um, so it's interesting. I'm actually curious from your perspective about this, John, because 
I think we talk so much about football and we just in terms of like the, the internet and um, media and, and athletics, but talk about football and the spring, spring football getting taken away and um, all this stuff. Nebraska really has not been changed all that much from what they were going to be doing in the first place. They weren't going to a tournament. So their season ended in a satisfactory somewhat way because it's just like they lost. And that was the, that was the end of it. That was going to be the end of it no matter what. And they all got to move back on June 6th, the weekend of June 6th, which was the plan all along. Right. And now they're currently working. I mean, it's like they, they've in some small ways, they haven't been all that impacted. Creighton, on the other hand, I'm curious your perspective because they got the conference tournament taken away from them. They got the NCAA tournament taken away from them. Um, and then players are not back on campus yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious kind of what that difference is and what it's, what it's, what kind of what's going on in Omaha. Yeah, it's nothing's going on in Omaha. That's the yeah. thing is like everyone's not, no one's here uh, from, from a Creighton perspective. And I don't know. I, I think I will be so curious to kind of pick the brains of coaches and athletes uh, just to get their perspective on what, I mean, I've, we've all gone through it. Like, I feel like I have these moments once a week where I just like, Oh my gosh, my life, am I doing this right? (laughs) Like, am I, what is, am I, am I on the right path? What is going on? Like, Hey, uh, the other day, I was like, I, I I need to go for a run. I need to go for a run. Take my mind off things. I haven't ran in like three years. <laughs> so, oh, that's so funny. Uh, I'm jogging through my neighborhood, huffing and puffing after like two minutes, and you know, I made. I think I made it. I lasted like twenty. It was like a twenty minute run with with definite rest in there. Yeah. Afterward, you're thinking, you're just like, what 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 has led me to this point? Right. <laughs> you know. Um, right. So I just imagine that everyone has kind of had those moments and you're just, um, I mean, John, I mean, I, John cook, the volleyball coach literally had like literally called his contractor who was building his house in Wyoming and was like, Hey, can I come to grunt work for you? I don't know what to do with my life. Mm -hmm. So he's like moving lumber, John cook, just moving lumber. Like, I think we're all kind of losing it. Yeah. So imagine being a college basketball player where your life is so structured. I mean, you get up at a certain time because you got to go to class or maybe you go work out. A lot of Creighton got Creighton's guys would go to the gym first. Like they get up, go to the gym, eat breakfast, maybe get some shots up, then go to class, then come back to the gym, um, practice film, more, maybe more class at, at night, study hall, go to sleep, maybe watch some film at night, hang out with friends or something. But then, you know, your day is so, structured and then all of a sudden that's just the bottom falls out and you're at home at least you have family around but it's just a totally different environment you're not with the people that you are are buddies with or um that you're kind of going through grinding with to in pursuit of a goal like i i've I've heard a lot of ncaa officials and athletic directors coaches talk about like the mental health of of student athletes and i don't know if you can talk enough about that and I'm, i'm just kind of curious uh, when we do get a chance to kind of look back with, with some of these players and coaches, just like how they manage that um, to me is really fascinating because I, I'm struggling and I, I sort of have things together and I, I, I just, it's totally different um, for a lot of, a lot of people in it. And uh, yeah, Creighton for sure is one of those schools. They're not going to, at this point, they have no plans like a date set or anything to bring athletes back. The campus is closed. It does seem like they're making more um, 
Creighton's university officially announced sort of like a, um, I don't know, maybe an exceptions plan or something. It's like a, a plan where you can be granted special permission to be on campus. Hmm. Um, and there seems to be more movement of like, okay, how are we going to test people when they get on, when they come to campus and what kind of protocols are going to be in place. So it seems like there's the, the likelihood of athletes coming back to Creighton's campus is high, um, before, even before classes start. So I think classes start in the middle of August and at this point, Creighton's planning to have students back on campus. Maybe not all students, maybe it's kind of like a blended, um, uh, sort of approach, but I think the goal is to have all of them and Creighton being a smaller campus, perhaps it's a little bit more feasible to accomplish something like that than say Michigan or Indiana or Arizona state or even Nebraska. So, Eventually, I think it will be back to normal, but right now Creighton is taking it slow and they don't really have to kind of force the issue. And Greg McDermott, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago about it and, you know, he was just kind of like, look, we have, we could potentially return six of our eight uh, minutes getters from last year. Um, got a good culture in place. This, this type of team is able to handle this. Like I, I trust my players when they're at home that they're going to get their work done, stay in shape find a gym if they can, you know, it's not ideal, but we can make the best of it. And, and, um, you know, there's other important things that we can also focus our attention on now and, and maybe not be as consumed with basketball. Maybe that's a good thing in the long run. Um, so I don't know if they'll necessarily feel like they're behind, maybe some of their newcomers like Creighton, Creighton messed around and got like a top 30 recruiting class. Well, since we were away, like they brought in two foreign or international basketball players, uh, Modestus can, can, can Claris and, oh, actually, you know what? Modestus can Slaris. That's oh, his last name. Oh, interesting. Uh, from Lithuania. Nice. And Rati Andronikashvili from Georgia. Um, 247 Sports has those guys as, uh, both top 150 players. And that bumped Creighton's class to number 28 nationally, according to the 247 rankings of rivals. I think has Creighton at like 47 or something. Uh, it has Andreana Kesvili as a four-star. So those they've got those two guys, plus Ryan Kalkbrenner, who's a four-star seven-footer from St. Louis, who they anticipate playing a role. Um, he's like a shot block, shot blocking extraordinaire, you know, just a really good defensive instincts and um, pretty agile and athletic. Like those guys could potentially play a role, but when are they going to be on campus? Um, obviously more likely that a kid from St. Louis can make it here sooner than those who are on the other side of the world. Kind of what you were talking about with Nebraska, what it's dealing with travel issues, visa issues, there's paperwork backed up for a lot of different things like that. So um, from that sense, you, you know, you will, I'm sure Creighton's coaches will kind of, when they get everybody back, eventually whatever day that is, start of classes, September, whatever day it is, they'll think, Man, we are behind, but perhaps less so than a team that didn't bring back as much. Right, yeah. And and it's – I hate that I – not hate, but I'm, I apologize for bringing up volleyball so often. I he's the, John Cook is the last head coach that I've talked to. But he said, he said something similar of, you know, he's got so many guys – so many, you know, players that are returning in a culture that's pretty set um, that you can rely on those guys to – come back and do it the right way or work out 
you know, the way that they're supposed to be working out right now. With Nebraska, it's it's different because there is so many new guys that there kind of isn't a culture yet, and you're kind of still building it. Um, Do you have a sense of if if guys, if Creighton guys are able to, like, work out, go get shots up somewhere, like, like, have gyms open? Some guys – I mean, I talked to Ryan Kalkbrenner, the recruit that I just mentioned, and he said that he doesn't actually have – well, this is a couple weeks ago. Maybe it's changed now that uh, places are opening up a little bit more. Uh, but he doesn't have access to a gym. He was mm-hmm. working out at his high school gym for a while there, but then they shut that down. And then he said, you know, there's a neighborhood hoop that's like he's pretty sure is 11 feet, uh, and not regulation oh, really? size. He's like, every time I go in there, I mess up my jump shot. Um, but so there's 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 some players on Creighton's team that haven't had you know access, at least not to like a, um, not to not 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 in comparison to the facility they'd be working at on campus right now right yeah. in Omaha. So. Not ideal, but um. Kobe Webster, who's the grad transfer for Nebraska, um, he's from Indianapolis, and there all the gyms that were close to him were closed. And so he had a buddy that lived just outside of town on a farm, and they turned a barn into like a full length basketball court, and that's where he was going to work out every day, just in a barn. I'm sure yeah, just I, sweating like crazy in the humidity of the. You know what I mean? I, like, I read that story. I was like, that was that's only in Indiana, man. Oh yeah, that's it's like perfect. the most Indiana thing ever, isn't it? Yeah, that was great. I, I why did Kobe leave, man? That seems like a fantastic. Place <laughs> to leave, I mean, he was like, he. I think I can't remember what the dumbbells that he had were. I think they were like fifteen or twenty pounds. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, I had those and um and a workout band. That I think you, like you put her on your ankles or whatever. And he's like, that was kind of it. Right. Well, um, you just got to do a, a lot of reps, a lot of curls, like, yeah, like 2,000 curls or something. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's been kind of funny to hear some of those stories of, of people working out. Um, I I did a one of Creighton's old, former players, Marcus Foster. He had – it was his summer between his junior year and senior year. He worked out in a gym in Kansas City. He said it was like – it's downtown Kansas City. He's like, it's not a good gym. You know, it's, it's, it's an old – gym it's not regulation size it's hot as heck mm-hmm. but he loved it you know he loved that sort of you walk in there you immediately know like oh we're gonna get some work done it's old school kind of grimy sort of feel to it and i wonder if you if maybe some players are kind of motivated by that they're whether they're on the playground or in their driveway you know i was talking to one of creighton's recruits they just added for 2021 ryan nemhard and he was like yeah me and my brother just playing one-on-one in the driveway all the time <laughs> yeah and to me, that that's awesome. Uh, hopefully, it leads to them maximizing their work, and I think that a lot of guys, uh, like I said, have been doing that. But it's, it's totally different. There's going to be a lot of fun stories to tell. I think when this is all, um, when we're kind of closer to a normal yeah. setup. And the only, the only last thing I have on that too is just it's also interesting because you know college athletics it's all about fairness and all about everybody. You know, you might have a better facility than somebody else or, you know, whatever, but it's still like a division one basketball facility, right? Like it's got a water fountain and like, you know, rims and shoes and balls and, you know, you've got a speaker system or, you know, whatever, but you're still able to kind of work out the same way as most of the people in your conference. And now we're to a point, I'm just, I'm really curious again with, you know, all these different universities and deciding who's going to be on campus and who is not if people are able to, you know, does it benefit you to work out in a gym, an actual gym on campus for three months rather than a team or a player who 
has to go work out in his driveway yeah. or has to go to the local gym and play against some scrubs. And like, I'm just curious kind of what that'll all shake out to be. Feels I mean, like it's it you know, probably just depends on the person, right? Yeah, it, it kind of it's adversity reveals your character, what whatever you're, you know, the, like what you're made of, and and you get tested in a different way. Can you respond? I I think that's yeah, you're right. Like you, we'll find out a lot about some of these players. I think uh, when the season begins, where they're at and how much work they were able to get accomplished. Tough scenarios for sure, but yeah, um, the champions rise above it, Chris. You're right. Hey, you're right. You're right above it. All right, three things real quick on Creighton that I just wanted to acknowledge. Like these are things I don't have any, I don't have a re- resolution for, but they're just storylines to watch. And maybe next time we record, we they will be resolved, and we can kind of discuss a little bit more in detail. Uh, first thing is Denzel Mahoney and Damian Jefferson declared for the draft back in April, and they're still declared. The NCAA has a has extended its deadline for players to uh, decide whether they want to turn pro or return to school. That deadline's August 3rd. So they have until then. They still have a couple months, well, six weeks or whatever it is, to decide what they want to do. My assumption is, is that they'll both be back because they're not going to get drafted. But then again, you know, it's a different time. Like I said, we're mm-hmm. all doing like these self-assessments and self-critiques and trying to figure out what we want to do uh, feel like going forward and how we want to live and i just imagine that you might see some guys who are like you know what i'm ready for i don't want to go to college anymore i'm ready to turn pro and -hmm. so maybe that's one of these guys we'll see but uh that's something to watch they're obviously really important to what creighton wants to do next year um now creighton's best player is marcus zagorowski he's returning so um that they, they would be complimentary pieces to him because he kind of feels like a guy who's going to rise up and up and up in terms of national profile. And I mean, I, th- I think he's going to be a preseason All-American um, potential preseason player of the year in the big East. So to me, yeah, the, he is the headliner. He's the, the star, but these guys, Denzel, Damian are, are, really integral to what Creighton does offensively and they have experience and they know Creighton's culture. They're good guys. They're good leaders. They work really hard. Um, so they're good to have around it. And obviously Creighton doesn't want, uh, if, if you're a Creighton fan, you don't want to lose them, but um, it's obviously up to them to see what they do. So there's one. The other thing to, to follow is Creighton has an open roster spot. Now, I guess if Denzel or Damian were to leave, they would have two or three open roster spots and how that shakes out over the course of the next couple months, TBD. There may not be a lot of yeah. that. You know, the transfer pool has thinned. Um, uh, the it's we're on to twenty twenty one, even twenty twenty two now in terms of recruiting. So, uh, high school prospects have found a destination. They've decided where they want to go. Um, maybe there's openings in the JUCO ranks. Creighton's gone into D two before to grab a guy who'd be immediately eligible to help. Um, so we'll see what they end up doing. It's not uncommon for teams to not fill all 13 scholarships. Um, when you fill all 13, that means you've got 13 quote unquote egos or 13 guys that you got to buy in and that have to buy in. Not all of them can play. So they have to accept and sacrifice, accept a smaller role and sacrifice. And if you only have 10, suddenly it becomes a little bit easier right. to do that. Well, it's um, also, I mean, I just real quick, I get so much anxiety just thinking about the idea of, and this exact moment, when the NBA is still kind of a question mark of like filling three scholarship spots 
in terms of like right now with guys who like in a transfer pool that's so like it's just it's not uncommon you're right but it would just be so I mean that would just be I would just be so nervous yeah because it would be it would just be kind of a panic but I also think that that helps in Creighton's favor because I think that there's probably a better chance that they come back. That might just be me. But I know you would think so. I, yeah. I my thought is, is as I kind of play it out in my head. I mean, NBA teams, um, you would think that they're gonna be. Are they gonna sign more players to the G League? Like it seems like there's gonna be fewer G League spots available. Um, there's some uncertainty. I mean, some of these European leagues are restarting, but maybe some of those fringe guys then go to Europe. So it just seems there's going to be fewer spots available in the short term um, if you're trying to become a pro player. But then again, there's an uncertainty of, are they even going to play college basketball? Like, right, am I going right, to return right, to school right. and then just sit on my hands for a year? So I don't know. It's a tough spot. Sure. But uh, we'll find out eventually what those guys are going to do and it could drop any moment. Who knows? Uh, the last thing is the NCAA investigation. Creighton's under investigation for, under investigation for its – um, ties to that bribery scandal that was uncovered in 2017 and, and the fallout is starting to kind of um, trickle out, I guess. Um, the NCAA is starting to progress forward with its cases and a couple weeks ago levied some pretty severe punishments on Oklahoma State for its involvement in the scandal. And now every, I, I tell this to everybody, I'm like, every case is different. Creighton's um, what potential wrongdoings or, or the, uh, um, the sort of red flag links that Creighton is that the way it's tied to or implicated in the scandal, totally different than Oklahoma state. And well, I guess it's not totally, you, you still Oklahoma state had an assistant who took a bribe and admitted they it. were pretty, yeah, I was gonna say they were pretty, um, it was whereas, pretty severe punishment with, with, uh, the, with a light, I almost just said light treason, but like light a light crime. You know what I mean? Uh, in in the in the uh, in college basketball, like in the college basketball realm, agree it is kind of light because the assistant coach didn't. It wasn't like in a recruiting advantage that he had. He was taking money on the side, but on on the, and another on the other hand, like that's really messed up, man. Right? No, you're correct. <laughs> like, uh, it's also it's also just like. Uh, you're right. Like, obviously, you shouldn't have done it. But also, it was a different coaching staff. Those guys aren't there anymore. Um, yeah. And when you compare it to Kansas, who I believe has five level one five level violations, ones, yeah. and this one was not even a level one violation. No, it was a, it was one level one. It was one level one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. One level. So one. still, compared to who they're really trying to go get, it's it's small potatoes. Right. But I mean, yeah, I'm I'm really curious how it'll go down with Creighton and the and yeah. the rest. I mean, there's there's. More. Um, the defense argued that it, in fact, wasn't a bribe that Preston Murphy was, um, you know, knew this embattled would-be agent and that they were kind of pulling the wool over the eyes of, of two people who they thought were um, misusing the money and, and they could find a way to use it better for this would-be agent trying to start his company. So mm -hmm. there's so much ambu ambiguity involved with Creighton that I'm not sure how the NCAA is going to parse its way through that. And uh, I guess the big question would be is 
when when the NCAA gets done with its investigation, whenever that is, I mean, it's possible Creighton has a notice notice of allegations right now, but we don't know about it. Creighton is a private school; it's not uh, required to share publicly um, its correspondence with the NCAA. It's documented correspondence with the NCAA, like a Kansas or an NC State or an Oklahoma State are. Um, it hasn't commented. The Creighton officials have not commented on the status of the case, so they could have a notice of allegations already. They could not. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but I guess the key question would be, is it, what are they charged with? Is it a level one? Is it a level two? Um, is it a level three? Is it anything, you know, and then we'd have a better idea of what potentially, uh, could be like from a penalty standpoint, what could be in store. But yeah, you know, if you're looking at like the, the ladder of, um, treason in terms of the NCAA, um, investigation, like if I'm an investigator, I'm like, Kansas is at the top. NC State, yeah. Louisville, those schools are at the top. Um, Oklahoma State, somewhere in the middle. Creighton, TCU, down there at the bottom. So Yeah, especially because the NCAA is trying to make a point, and they're not going to make a point with Creighton. I don't know. That's the thing with what people thought for Oklahoma State. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Here's why they were able to make a point with Oklahoma State, though. It's because they, they had all the evidence sort of handed to them. The, yeah. the assistant coach – said in court, I took a bribe, I'm guilty, I'm sorry. Um, and then he was convicted of felony bribery. Like he said, he admitted in court to taking $22,000. Um, and which is obviously a violation of NCAA rules and, and <laughs> unethical con or there's an ethical conduct clause that has that pretty well spelled out about getting money from um, other outside sources and interacting with agents to use, use like kind of use your influence over athletes and getting paid for that uh, to steer them toward agents. Like he violated a, a lot of those um, sort of bullet points in that bylaw and he admitted to it. And so the NCAA doesn't even, they didn't even have to like, technically the NCAA didn't even have to do any interviews. It's like, yeah, they're like, I'm um, cool. All that's right, right well. there. Yeah. <laughs> but then the NCAA did interviews and found more. So mm-hmm. it led to what, um, what you saw a couple weeks ago where it, it you know, one year postseason ban, uh, three years of scholarship, scholarship, right? scholarship reduction, yeah, yeah, recruiting restrictions, um, a fine, you know, so that that was probably more severe than than a lot of people thought. But and as, as you stated, like the NCAA is, is, does want to make an example of, of these teams that were implicated, but I think it's just going to be harder to do even for a team, even for a program like Kansas, um, where it, it, there's so much more, even though there's, there, yeah, there's five level one violations in that notif- notice of allegations, but there's so much more gray in all of those that, as compared to the one level one for Oklahoma State, where it was like, mm-hmm. it was really cut and dry of what happened um, with Kansas. I think you could, might be able to argue and debate around it, which is why Kansas is doing that and hired lawyers to go, <laughs> go about that and, We'll see how it plays out, but yeah, right. some, that's those are the three things I think to monitor for Creighton as the summer progresses, um, uh, and we eventually get back to playing basketball. Hopefully, we get there, man. If Boy, Creighton, if Creighton and Nebraska played today, um, <laughs> Nebraska wins Nebraska, by forfeit, right? Nebraska would have a lot more players. I mean, Nebraska. I think they'd probably win sixty-five nothing. They get that dub, yeah. Yeah, they def- I think they'd win by it. I'd put the over under up. Oh, Creighton was. It'd cool. be like they got, they got Balik. 
Balak would just Oh, okay, so it's from, Mitch against the rest, right? Yeah, you just shoot from half court. And they got Reef in there. Reef, Reef can run around and, and get some steals and Well how many but, Creighton guys are that do they have? I think it's two on five. I don't know, uh Balak has kind of been in Omaha and in Kansas City, he's kind of been moving about. So I don't know if he's I'd give him like I, I bet you those two because I'm, now I'm picturing like a like a five minute drill, like a five on two, which isn't a thing. Yeah. Like we like five on six is a thing, but like two on five really isn't, unless it's like a ball handling drill. I bet you if we give them like ten minutes on the clock, running clock, half court, right? So like you score and there's kind of a lull. I bet you Mitch and Sharif could score like eight to ten points. Yeah. I might be a little high, but I think they'd be able to get some points out. Uh, maybe, maybe you should say nine to twelve because you might just see Mitch just throwing up. That's extremely. That's very true. He'd probably go. Yeah, he'd probably go like, like three of twenty six or something. Mitch <laughs> at least got three. Mitch just says, "Hey, look, Reef, do your best to get a steal. I'll just cherry pick." <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, and while Nebraska's bringing uh, reinforcements in waves, because as you said, they got ten guys on campus. So yeah. Uh, final score, 73 to 12. <laughs> I don't know. They blow out. Hey, there was a game. You remember that game where uh, they went three on five? It was Colin Sexton was playing for Alabama against Minnesota, I think. Yeah, that's – yeah. I... And it, it got a little weird. I mean, two on five, mm, that's tough. But three on five, like, they held their own okay. Yeah, two on five is chaos. Three <laughs> on five, like you can run some stuff. Like you can, especially if those if those five, if they're unable to shoot. Yeah. Um, and maybe they start feeling the pressure, but yeah, Nebraska would get that win. They would. They would win by quite a few. Yeah. Thanks for potting right, with me, John. Yeah, it was good to catch up. Mm-hmm. Good to chat with you. We'll be back again. Um, I would imagine in a couple of weeks to talk about the latest happenings in college sports. Follow all our coverage. Chris is doing a great job um, covering the latest. I mean, like I said, there's actually a lot going on on Nebraska's campus. As Chris said, it's almost, it's almost, it's almost business as usual. So, um, yeah, follow all this coverage. Omaha.com. 